Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we're still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Uh, it will be of great help to me uh, if you keep your Bibles opened uh, to Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 1 till 10. That's where we will spend our evening um, as, the, as the Lord wills. Uh, so one, well, why don't I pray for us uh, just before we, we start uh, to ask God to, to lead us uh, by his Holy Spirit. So when we bow our heads uh, and I'll pray for us. Father, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for life. Thank you for the gifts that you so freely give. Lord, we, we are here this evening because we have life in our breath um, and that is given to us by you, Lord. And so we want to thank you that you are a gracious God, a God that so freely gives, uh, that even in our struggles, you are there. Lord, in our weaknesses, you are there. Uh, Father, when we feel like giving up, you are still there. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us. Uh, help us to persevere. Help us not to lose hope. Help us to hold on tighter to you, Lord, because it is you who is holding on to us. Um, and so we pray that you may yeah, just refresh our hearts, Lord, to trust in you and to walk with you uh, once again. Encourage those, Lord, who um, are just feeling down, um, and I pray, Father, that you may, yeah, you may, you may help them. Uh, be with me, Lord, as I preach. Uh, let I decrease and you increase, Lord. Uh, may we see more of you and less of me. In your name, I do pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, so, as David said, only a rapper would come up with a title for a sermon like this. Give up, giving up. Um, I still have to figure out what it means uh, when I say it. Um, but it's pretty clear. Uh, let's give up on giving up. I, uh, that's what it means when we feel like giving up. Um, the one thing that this title says is give up on that. Give up on giving up. Um, as I was just trying to prepare for this sermon, I just looked on the internet of stories of, of perseverance, stories of encouragement, uh, stories of, of giving up. Uh, and there's an interesting list I found. Uh, the, the author is anonymous, uh, but he, he basically writes uh, a list of things. And the title is, you know your day is going to be rotten if... Dot, dot, dot. Um, and, and here are a couple of things to consider. You know that your day is going to be rotten if you wake up with your face on the pavement. Um, you know your day is going to be rotten if 
e-news is waiting for you in your office as you walk in. You know your day is going to be rotten if your twin sister forgets your birthday. (laughs) Or you know your day is going to be rotten if your car horn goes off accidentally and remains stuck as you follow a group of bikers on the highway. Or you know your day is going to be rotten if you put both your contact lenses in the same eye. (laughs) The last one is my favorite, though. I laughed at this. Uh, and it said, you know your day is going to be rotten if your wife wakes up and says, good morning, Bill, and your name is George. <laughs> so you definitely know that your day is going to be rotten if, if that's what happens. But on a serious note, uh, as we sit here, many of us might be experiencing a reality of not just one rotten day, but many rotten days. That we are plagued by rotten day after rotten day. So much so that we've lost faith in God. We've lost trust in God. Because every single day just keeps on pressing into us more and more. There's a particular sin that you're struggling with and you feel like you're just losing the battle against sin. It's as though sin has your face on the pavement. And it's even hard for you to turn your face and look to the hills where your help will come from. You just feel like you pressed in and you're losing the battle against sin. Or even so, relationships are really suffering. Your marriage is suffering. Friendships are suffering. Uh, Relationships with those around you are just at a point where they just seem like they'll never get better ever again. Your devotions are nowhere with the Lord. Every morning you just quickly wake up to go to work. You come back tired and you get back in your bed. You don't read the word. Your prayer life is nowhere. It's just a crippling sense of wanting to give up, wanting to throw in the towel. You want to give up on life. You want to give up on God. You want to give up on the pursuits of holiness. In fact, all you're saying to yourself every single day you wake up is, I'm done. I just cannot continue living this way. I cannot continue trusting a God who seems not to be coming to my rescue. I am done. In fact, on Friday, I went to see one of my friends um, he, he just had a baby. And so we were sitting there seeing the baby. And after we left, as we got into our car, he was just telling us just about his own struggles and how he's, he's battling in life. And he said to me, Black, listen, I don't want another coffee date. I'm just done. I know you want to have coffee. You want to talk about my problems. You want to talk about my struggles. Bro, no more coffee dates. I'm just finished. And that's how you might be feeling sitting here. No more Bible studies. I'm tired of having Bible studies. I'm tired of having accountability. All the people that are keeping me accountable, brothers and sisters who are praying with me, who are monitoring how my walk is with the Lord, I'm just done with that. In fact, I'm done with church. And you're only sitting here this evening because you don't have Wi-Fi at home. Um, But you're just done. Here's my punchline for the sermon today, as given by the famous preacher of L.A., um, Dietrich Hardin, before he became the pimp of L.A. Um, But he said, don't give up on God, because God does not give up on you. In fact, it's in those moments where God is pressing in even harder. It is in those moments where God is training you. It is in those moments where God is growing you, conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Don't give up on him because he doesn't give up 
on you. Don't give up on a God who is faithful. Don't give up on a God who is trustworthy. Don't give up on a God who's a promise keeper. A God who said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't give up on a God who doesn't leave us to figure this thing out ourselves, but instead has left us his glorious living word to keep us persevering in this life. Amen. That's the God that I'm calling you not to give up on uh, this evening. In fact, as I was looking at, at Romans 5 and just thinking about the theme of giving up, I saw that, that God gives us blessings in order to equip us to walk this life of perseverance. He's already bestowed blessings upon us to strengthen us so that we don't give up. God knows that it's going to get tough. God knows that we'll get to a point where we want to give up on him. God knows that we'll face times where we think he's not trustworthy, he's not faithful enough. And so before the foundations of the earth, God had already planned it and he has given us blessings that will keep us going in this life. Blessings that will keep us persevering in this life. And these are true blessings, not superficial blessings. Not blessings of, of cars or houses or jobs. Or, or those would be nice, but those won't keep us going in, in life. I've heard many people say, I would rather cry in a Ferrari than cry in a Corolla. <laughs> and those are superficial blessings. You might cry in a Ferrari, I cry in a Corolla, but my friend, those scars are exactly the same. Those tears are coming from exactly the same broken place. And so it's not superficial blessings, but it is true blessings that will keep us going in this life to hold on so that we may persevere till the end. Amen. Amen. In fact, in, in Romans 5, before we get into there, uh, just to give you an overview of what is happening, this is a new section that Paul starts in his letter to the Romans. In chapter 1 till chapter 3, in a nutshell, what Paul is doing is he's showing them that they, they need salvation. He's actually just pointing out the need for salvation. Chapter 1, verses 16, he tells them what the gospel is. Chapter 1, verses 18, he says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, showing them their need for salvation. Chapters 3 till chapter 4, he says, this is how you'll get the salvation. And it is by faith and faith alone. So in chapters 5, he gives us the results of this salvation, these blessings that I alluded to, that are in this salvation. As, as you walk with, with the Lord, if you are sitting here as a, a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, there's been blessings that God has bestowed upon you so that you can walk this life, and persevere till the end. In fact, I'll just give you uh, an illustration of what I mean uh, about these blessings. Um, if you're a parent, uh, you would know this very well. If you're not a parent, you'd remember this just from your own school days. So remember when you had a school trip, um, and then your parents would give you a bag full of treats. You're going to the Pretoria Zoo, you live in Tembisa, it's only 20 minutes. But they'd give you chips, give you fruits, they'd give you tombolo, they'd give you meat from last night, they'd give you a pry pack, they'd just fill that thing. <laughs> so that as you travel on this journey, you'll have a lot of things that will keep you alert. A lot of treats to keep you alive, as it were. Um, in my culture, we call it umpago. Pastor Kobiri Kastwana Barking, kimufago. Hey, umpago ngon, hey. Mufago. Stick to your tzwana, my friend. Eh? 
umphako um and that's what we find in Romans chapter 5 umphako Paul gives us umphako for this journey uh, of life uh, so that we may have sustenance to keep us till the end and so what we're going to be doing for the rest of the evening is is opening up this bag and here here's what we're going to find in this in this bag the first thing we're going to find is is mega blessings amen we're going to find mega blessings in this bag secondly we're going to find minute blessings in this bag and lastly we'll find the motivation for these blessings one mega blessings two minute blessings three motivation for these blessings if you're taking notes let's jump straight into it verses 1 till 2 as we look at the mega blessings that are in mufaho amen Listen to what Paul says verses 1 till 2 Therefore since you have been justified by faith you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God And so what Paul is saying here verses 1 is that if if now you are saved here are all these these blessings that you have Right, three things we see in those verses. Uh, we see the first blessing is peace. That's what you have now that you have been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first blessing that you get is peace. The second blessing you get is grace and the third blessing you get is glory as we see in verses 2 of chapter 5. So these are mega blessings, big blessings. Why? Because Paul is giving them a big picture, an overall trajectory of the Christian life. This this is where God will start you. This is where God will have you and this is where God will finally uh, say, uh, leave you in the end uh, or rather take you to the end. So we see that he says you are born again in peace and you live in grace right now and you will die to glory. I'll say that again, you are born again in peace and you live in grace and you will die to glory. Those are the mega blessings that Paul speaks of. He says when when the walls are closing in, remember that you have peace with God. Remember that the guilt that was on you from the time you were born is no longer there. The wrath of God has been removed away from you because of the death of Jesus Christ on that cross. Now you have peace with God. You were once a slave to sin, but now you are a son or a daughter of the living God. You were once in darkness, but now you're in the kingdom of God, of light. You were once death, but now you have been given life. You have peace with God. Verses 8, verses 9 and 10 tell us that we were enemies of God, rebels against this king. the biggest problem that we had was God's wrath over us but God gives us this blessing of peace and so he says remember when the walls are closing in you no longer in darkness when the walls are closing in and life is pressuring you and everything around you is tempting you not to trust God to question his faithfulness remember the God who gave you peace Remember the God who rescued you from your sin. Remember the God who rescued you from Satan. Remember the God who rescued you from the systems of this world and has called you to be a son and a daughter, child of God. You have peace. You have peace with God. That is a mega blessing. If I was DJ Khaled, I would say that's a major key. Right? It's a mega blessing. 
You have peace with God. Your biggest problem in this world is that you are a rebel against God. But Paul reminds us here now that you have peace with God. But not only that. Once you get this peace, what will keep you as you live in this life? Well, it's the grace of God. It's what he says there. It's that you have access now by faith into this grace in which you stand. You stand in this grace. I don't know if you were here two weeks ago when Reggie was preaching from Titus chapter 2 verses 11 till 15. When he eloquently put to us what grace is. If you haven't, if you haven't heard that sermon, please go on our website and listen to it. But I'll just give you three points that Reggie gave us about what grace is. And he says that, that grace had appeared, meaning that grace is real. Even as we see here, this is the grace that saved us. This is the grace that Paul speaks of. This grace is displayed in Jesus Christ. So this is not a dead grace. This is not an inactive grace. We know Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We know that he's seated at the right hand of God as we speak now and is ruling the universe with the mighty power of his word. And so this grace is alive. This grace is active. This grace is for you. And this grace is available for you even today. Reggie told us that this grace trains us to say no to ungodliness and to say yes uh, to godliness. This grace will help us to wait. And what do we wait for? We wait for this blessing that Paul speaks of here in verses 2, and that is the glory of God. When we finally with him, when we see him face to face, when all the suffering that we experience now will be done away with, all the crying, all the depression, all the insecurities, all the shame, all the poverty, all the pressure that we're feeling right now will be done away with, and we will see our King and God face to face, and we will be made like him. Glorified bodies who no longer get sick. People who live with God eternally. And here's their encouragement. Paul says, you have these blessings now. These blessings are yours in Jesus Christ. So grab hold of them and persevere till the end. When you are tempted, when you are faced with trials, when walls are closing in around you, remember that you have peace. Remember that you have grace. Remember that there's glory that awaits you. Therefore, you can persevere. It's as though God has, has mapped out our life for us so that we may have security as we live in this world. Because everything around us threatens that security in God. It threatens us and so it, question, it makes us question whether God is there. It makes us question whether God is trustworthy, whether he will keep us to the end. And so God maps this out for us so that we may know that he is secure. At every point, God is there. It's as though God is saying, I, I, I'm like Google Maps. If you put your address on Google Maps, you will drive with ease in your car. Because you know Google Maps will, will take you from your house to the point that you said it must take you. To an extent, you trust Google Maps because, because Google knows everything. Um, and so you trust that source as you put your, your address of wherever it is that you're going. But I want to submit to us this evening, church, how much more of our God? How much more of our God who just does not give us security uh, just for a short journey, but he gives us eternal security? How much more of our God, who, who, who is a source that will never fail us? If you run out of data, that's it. Google Maps doesn't work. You are finished. 
If Google crashes with all its other backup systems, you are done. But God doesn't fail you. God will never crash. God will always be there. God will keep you till the end. This is a God who promises us eternal security. This is a source that we can trust. And so the question I want to leave with you as we move on to our second point is, is do you have these blessings in your life? Have you grabbed a hold of them? Do you know that if you are a child of God, you have peace with God because of what Jesus has done? Do you know that you have grace that will sustain you? Do you know that there's glory that awaits you at the end of the return of Jesus Christ? Have you grabbed a hold of these blessings? Are they keeping you to persevere as you live in this life right now? Let's move on to our second point. We've seen mega blessings. Let's look at these minute blessings. Verses 3 till 5. Listen to what verse 3 till 5 says. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. And so in no way, when I say my new blessings, am I saying these are small. Um, but this is what I'm saying. In verses 1 till 2, Paul gave us a big picture. These mega blessings. This big trajectory of our Christian life. From the time we're born again to the time Jesus returns or he calls us home. And so what he does now in verses 3 till 5 is that he zooms in. Into what specifically this grace looks like. That second blessing. What this grace looks like. And so that's what we're going to see now. It's not minute in that they're small, but he's zooming in into the details of how this grace works. And it's interesting that he says, when he starts verses 3, he starts off with this word rejoice. And that's not, that's not how I set up the sermon, because I, I, I assume that we sit here with, with much burden. I assume that we sit here with the walls caving in on us, that we down and, and we're at a point where we want to give up. But Paul says it's in those moments where you rejoice. In those moments where, where you feel like you want to give up, you rejoice only if you know what the big picture is. The reason why we don't rejoice when, when trials and, and temptations and struggles come our way is because we've, we've missed that big picture. We forget that God has given us peace. We forget that we have grace that will keep us in that very moment. We forget that there's glory awaiting us. And so Paul says you'll only rejoice if you have that big picture. And once you have that big picture, it means that you're not focusing on how down you are. Yes, you are down. Yes, things are going pear-shaped. Yes, things are going the wrong way. You are down. But if the big picture is there, he says don't focus on that. Instead, spend time focusing on the details of that big picture. Focus on that grace that God has made available for you. Again, if we stick to the illustration of Google Maps, if you put onto Google Maps your destination and, and it tells you way ahead that there's going to be traffic at some point before you turn, let's imagine this is a perfect world because it doesn't happen. Even when Google Map tells you that there's traffic, you still become frustrated. But imagine if this was a perfect world. The reason why Google Map tells you that there's traffic, it's so that you don't get frustrated. You know what's going to happen. 
You already put it in. It's already given you that big picture. And then as you're traveling, it's giving you the small details of things as they change. You know there's traffic. So you're not going to panic. But imagine all those people around you who don't have GPS, who don't have Google Maps. They're freaking out. They're enraged because they don't know what is happening. And so Paul says, if you have the big picture, you know what is happening. Focus in on the grace that God has made available on you instead of focusing on how down you might be at that point and how things are going wrong. And he says, here are three minute blessings that you will see when you do that. Verses 3 to 5, we saw that he speaks of endurance there. And he says that endurance produces character. And he says that character produces hope. He speaks of them as though it's a, it's a, it's a math equation. These are certainties. Sufferings will produce uh, endurance. Endurance will produce character. Character will produce hope. And so we can remain secure in knowing that God maps these things out for us. He does not create suffering, but he knows that we live in a broken and fallen world. And when suffering comes, God says, don't get caught up in it, but look at what I'm doing through the suffering. I'm giving you endurance. I'm giving you character. I'm giving you hope. And those are blessings, church. What is endurance that Paul speaks of? Well, it's a toughness. It's a toughness to fight against sin. It's a toughness that you get as you battle against sin. Every time temptation comes, every time Satan comes and attacks again, and you enjoy and you choose the Lord, there's a, there's a toughness that is built in us. There's a, there's a strength that is built in us, a strength to be decisive, to choose God every time. When we are tempted to lose hope, we will choose God in those moments. When we are tempted to not trust him, we will choose him. When we are tempted to, to just push back our accountability partners, we don't want to come to church, we don't want to come to life group, we will be decisive and there's a strength that we will get in those moments to choose God, to choose the things of God instead of choosing Satan, instead of choosing sin. And he says when that endurance takes shape, there's a character that is built in us. A quality that comes as a result of us passing the test. You're tempted today and you choose God because of this endurance that is built in you, this decisiveness that is built in you. He says there's a maturity that, that is produced in that, in that process. A maturity that helps us not to go with droopy hands before God, like spoiled children, that when everything is going wrong in our lives, we just blame God the whole time. But no, this, this quality, this character, this maturity will help us to be, to be considerate, mindful disciples who know that the world is fallen and broken, who know of our own sinfulness. But at the same time, we know of the goodness of God. That it is through suffering that God conforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. It was through suffering that Jesus Christ himself inherited a name that's above all other names. It was through suffering that Jesus Christ proved to be a God of worth who knows our own suffering. And so when suffering does happen, we don't act like spoiled children who don't know what's going on because there is a character, a quality that has been grown in us. And so we go to God in obedience. And he says when that happens, there's a hope that springs forth. 
I hope to know uh, that we won't be in this situation forever. He says this hope does not put us to shame because when we're down and out, that's all we're thinking, that's all we're feeling. But he says this hope will help us to know that we won't suffer forever, but instead there's a glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 says, Paul says, none of the suffering that you go through now is worth comparing to the glory that we will experience in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you're going through right now. There's glory that awaits you. So you can rejoice and be glad in the God who gives you endurance, in the God who builds your character, in the God who assures you with eternal hope. You can rejoice and be glad in that. This evening, you can be glad and rejoice in that truth. It's like going to the gym. My wife just went back to the gym. David, when are you going back to the gym? Monday. Yeah, this is the 10th Monday. Um, but what happens when you go to the gym, the first few weeks of the gym? You're building endurance. You get there, you're weak, you haven't done this before. So you try and pick up the weights, you exercising in the machines, and so your body is building endurance as you go in, day in, day out. The first few weeks, you build an endurance. And suddenly what happens after a few weeks is that, is that now you can pick up the weights with ease. And when that happens, there's a confidence that, that, that is built in you, that when you walk into the gym, you're not intimidated by the machines anymore. And so you can pick which one you want to do. Today I want to do legs, tomorrow I want to do chest, whatever it is. And that is the character that is built in you because of the endurance that your body went through. And once that sets in, guess what happens? There's a hope that is built for all your goals. So now as you're pumping there, you're like, yeah, summer body, you're coming now. (laughs) Chest, you are coming today. There's a hope that is there now. Because the first few weeks, you built endurance. Second week, there was a character that was built in you, a confidence that you walked into the gym knowing can do anything here. And because of that, now, Facebook, guys, summer calls coming. Hey, people with confidence who put their old pictures from 2003, look at my body transformation. All the rest of us are like, I ah, know it will never happen because <laughs> it's just deterioration the whole time. And so that's what Paul is saying here. God will build an endurance through suffering. God will will make sure that suffering produces character and this character will give us hope. This hope will never put us to shame because we are waiting for the glory of God that is coming. There's an eternal goal that awaits us. God is doing something through your suffering this evening. God is doing something through through all, all your broken dreams. You feeling like you're giving up. You feeling like I can't trust him anymore. I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm struggling against sin. Just, there's no joy to come to church. I just can't read the Bible. I can't pray anymore. God is doing something through all of that. Don't give up. Hold on. Because it is God who is holding on to you. And lastly, let's look at the motivation for these blessings. We've seen mega blessings. We've seen minute blessings. Let's see the motivation for these blessings. We'll read from verses 8 till 10. It says, but God shows his love for us in that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, 
we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verses 10, for if while we were, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are recon- reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And so what Paul is saying here, what is this motivation for God to give us all these blessings we've seen from verses 1 until verses 5? Well, it's clear from the last few verses. It's God was moved by his own love. We were enemies, these verses tell us. There was nothing good in us. There was nothing that, that attracted God from the throne room of heaven for him to leave heaven to come save us. But it was his love and his love alone that motivated him, that moved him. Verses 9 tells us that he dealt with our biggest problem because of this love that he has for us. And he removed wrath from us. Our biggest problem was that we have guilt against God. Our biggest problem is that we're separated from God for all eternity. Verses 9 tells us that God dealt with that problem. And he says, therefore, all other things that you are going through right now, guess what? I am bigger than that. If I've dealt with your biggest problem, Anything else that you're going through right now, I am bigger than that. Therefore, don't give up on me. Give up giving up. Why? Because I love you. And that is the motivation that we see from verses 8 to verses 10. Verse 10 tells us that if, if you were reconciled while you were still a sinner, how much more will God give you life now that you are saved? How much more will this God give you peace That surpasses all understanding. Now that you are saved, how much more will this God give you grace? How much more will this God give you endurance, build character, and give you hope? Now that he calls you a son, now that he calls you a daughter. You were an enemy before, and he loved you. How much more now will he give you all these good gifts? How much more will he now give you all these good blessings? Trust him. Don't give up on him. God is giving you all these blessings in Christ Jesus so that you may endure and persevere till the end. So I want to say this in closing. Again, don't give up on him. Hold on to him. Know that this evening he has done all of this in Jesus for you because he knew that life will get tough. He knew that you will be tempted to leave him. He knew that you will be tempted to give up. But he says, don't. Don't give up. Don't give up. God of light, the God of love, the God of life is on your side. That God has your back. Do not give up on him. But when the urge to give up comes, give up on that urge. When the temptation to give up comes, give up on that temptation. But don't give up on God. Trust him. Hold on to him. Again, it is him who is holding on to us. And we see that. Because he just did not tell us. But verses 8 says he's demonstrated it for us. He's shown us that he loves us. Through his one and only begotten son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, child of God, do you have these blessings? Do you believe them? Have you grabbed a hold of them? Do so because your Father enables you to do that by grace. But if you're sitting here and you're not a born-again Christian, 
Jesus is calling you this evening. It's impossible for you to do life alone. It's impossible for you to reach the end, meet him face to face, and stand your own ground without his son. He's calling you this evening. Give your life to him. Let him hold on to you. Stop trying to hold on to yourself. Give up on that. And trust the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us, church. Father, you have not given up on us. But you've been with us, Lord. From the day you called each and every one of us who are in you. Yes, it might not feel like you're with us at times, Lord. We know that to be a lie from Satan. Because you're forever with us. But I pray that you forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for every time we, we just accused you of, of not being there. Forgive us for being spoiled children who have failed to, to, to grow character, Lord, and trust you the way you would want us to. Forgive us, Lord. For when we've, if we've lost faith in you, we've lost trust in you. We've turned to other gods. Turn to other things that have promised us satisfaction, have promised us a good life. Forgive us. And help us to give up on those things and come back to you, Lord. Pray, Father, that this may be true of us as we leave this building today. When we go home, just look at our own lives and do some serious introspection, Lord, of where we are with you. We can only do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so as you've proven that you've blessed us, Lord, you are a good father. Let's continue, Lord, being good to us. We're desperate for it, and we long for your leading. Pray for all of these things in your name. Amen.